Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you are listening this morning to myself, Lawson, and across from me, got my amazing co-host, none other than Mr. Matthew Smith. Matthew, how are you doing this morning? Very, very pumped I am. I got uh, fire in my soul and the cool waters of the Lord in my veins. Oh, that's so good. No, we are stoked to have you on as we have Danuta, who's headed out west to spend time with... There's a church plant that her and Keith, her husband, started out there and they're meeting up with those guys, hanging out. So just amazing. I believe it's in Barara, she said to us yesterday. Barara. That's correct. And so, yeah, just amazing work that they've done out there, catching up with those guys. But hey, dude, I am so glad that you're in the studio this morning because we can get some radio done and talk to talk to Australia. Well, humbly, I've got to confess something here. What's uh, up? Wilson, if it's not for you behind the wheel, i got nothing to rub off. Oh, bro. <laughs> look, we're, look, we're trying. And also, we've got the return of none other than producer Shell, hey, hey. who's with us back in the studio again after being down in Tasmania. So, man, you, we've been just jet-setting all over the place. I was in Canberra. Danuta's out in Barara. You were down in Taz. But, oh, awesome stuff going on. Hey, I tell you what, Matthew, I am so... I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that you are here with us today. And I've just been so grateful as well. I'm living on campus, even though it's holiday time. And the dorms have become, like, my really large house you gotta tell me what tell us why oh it's just because there's no one there so i'm like all of my the whole wing that i'm in of rooms and whatnot is just completely empty the bathroom where it's like 20 showers and like eight toilets and stuff completely empty i'm like i'm just walking around like this is my house (laughs) i ride my bicycle up and down the hallways It's, it's sick it's the best well coming up in today's show we are going to be talking about clergy and ai and church attendance we're going to be talking about rescue from above rescue from below we're also going to be doing an amazing interview with tony benjamin from voice of the martyrs as well as getting into our bible study you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And you've got myself and Big Matthew just getting it done. Hey, Matt, I'm in. Give us our first question for the quiz. Okay, family, firing away. Whose son claimed that Ecclesiastes were his words? So, oh, hmm. whoa! Okay, this is. This is this is uh, this is deep here. Whose who son claimed Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes were his, his words. words? I think I think the word "claim" there is a bit of a trip up. I'm like, is it? I don't. I didn't think the. Uh, I didn't think the uh, the authorship of Ecclesiastes was contentious. But uh, but hey, who's it's whose son? So it's it's. This person's son claims to have written Ecclesiastes. If you know that's, the answer, that's, I'm glad you did that to give yeah. the, the broader context. Yeah. So in yeah. other words, whose son? Yes. Is is said to have written the book of Ecclesiastes? Yeah. Or claims to have written. Apparently. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to the Breakfast Show this morning, and if you know the answer, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text, and you can go into the draw to win our two prizes for this week: preaching from the grave and the. The man that the Anzacs revered. Both of these biographies 
awesome books that we want to give to you absolutely for free, stories of faith, of how people were able to stand for what they believe despite very, very difficult circumstances. We're going to give you a few more details, but these books are being drawn today. We've had people all week texting in answers. But again, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. Hey, Matt, what is going on in the world of Positively Different News? Yeah, this is crazy, fascinating stories I've got today. I've got two of yeah. them for you. The first one comes from a place. Now, you wouldn't believe that a place could be called Reading, like as we read. Oh, it's actually, are you talking about in the UK? Yes. It's Reading. Oh, it's Reading. Thank you. It's Reading. Well, but it, it, but it, it does, it, it is spelt like Reading. But I, they pronounce it Reading. They pronounce it Reading. I know because my sister lived in the UK for a bit. Yes. And she lived around near that area. So. I'm so glad you let me so, know how it goes. So, yeah, Reading in the UK. Amazing. Can you imagine if I popped up in England and go, hey, we're in we're Reading. We're in Reading. Hey. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> tourists. What's he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, shout out Reading. Shout out all the people who are listening to the show in Reading this morning. <laughs> I, I hope. But hey, what's what's going on in, in Reading in the UK? So there was a gentleman on top of a skyscraper and he was waving his uh, coat or jacket around crazily. Mm-hmm. And the reason being because he's on top of this building that's on fire Whoa. so there's flumes of smoke going all over the place yeah and you, you worry when someone's in that kind of context that they're going to take in you know um, the smoke inhalation but what's mm. worse get burnt because yeah. fires are raging amongst all that yeah for sure now down below you know not very close to the building in another kind of area of construction there's a crane driver and he is just doing his work and most cranes usually have like a, a they're, they're digging up stuff. They're um, using things to, like a, a ball on the end to knock down buildings. Mm. But in this kind of situation, he's got an actual people lift mm. in it. So he's transporting folk um, that are putting uh, like cladding against the outside of a building that they're working on. But lo and behold, he sees this jacket flying around in the corner of his eye. And then he's like, what's that? So he looks to his right. Mm. And this operator, his name's Glenn Edwards. Uh, and so he realised, whoa, there's a bloke up there and he's, mm. he's getting my attention and, the, man, the place is on fire. I know, I'm going to get my crane and I'm going to put it up there to take, you know, to rescue him. So mm. Lo and behold, there are people down on the street yelling out, like, help him, help him, somebody help him at mm. the same time. He gets his crane, puts it up. It's no easy deal because that uh, cage is being mm. blown to and forth, you know, tossed to and fro uh, by the wind. Yeah, so he's got to steady the thing. It's hectic. But the good news is... There are always people on the ground that guide the cranes, and there's a foreman down there, and he's telling the crane how to manoeuvre, and he and he actually executes putting the crane near the man and not hitting the man off the building like we don't mm. want to do as well. Puts it down, it, it falls on its side, mm. and the next couple of minutes, like there's a video of this, mm. if folks want to go online and check it out, by all means. And what gets more intense, the seconds going by, mm. these flames look very close and getting closer and bigger by the second. Yeah, this is a rescue situation. It's like time is of the essence. Of the essence. Mm. And to the point where you know, you're thinking, what's he doing? Like, mm. he's going back and forth around this cage. He's like probably trying to figure out what the door is because the whole thing um, looks like the same universally, yeah. uniform. But he figures it out, opens it up, in he goes, up, upright goes the crane before it lifts it off and back onto the ground. People are cheering and rapturous applause. Wow, what a rescue that from is amazing. <laughs> so it gets rescued from above. And well, so was the building full of people? They're able to get out as well. There's no mention of if they were. Probably in other articles there are, but in the yeah. Good News Network, there's yeah. no mention of it. But there is a there is. But a it, there wasn't any. I, I don't think there, there would have been any uh, 
you know fatalities or whatnot if there's no mention of it like i I think yeah this is amazing it was like the one guy who escaped he had to go up instead of going down that's what i'm imagining in this situation like he had to go up instead of going down and he's like oh get me guys like i'm stuck here and it's amazing yeah the crane got that's exactly what happened because um why would you end up on top of a building because flames do burn up yeah that's the exit for the stairs and yeah even the crane driver says this i would say it was a very close call if you look at the video at the way the wind was swirling around there Mr. Edwards told the people it was crazy Mm. so that's the story from Rescue from Above and Mm. I've got a rescue from below oh here we go okay okay and uh I know we're talking in the car about this earlier, Dawson, so you'll be able to share some thoughts on this as well. (laughs) Um, It's got to do with 41 construction workers trapped in a tunnel. Yeah, in in Pakistan. And the place is called, now help me with the pronunciation, please, uh, if I get this wrong, Uttarakhand. Uttarakhand. I I, I don't know. I've never been to Pakistan, so. I might have utterly butchered that word, Mm. but Uttarakhand. Uttarakhand state of India. Mm -hmm. And and there was 41 men under there that were you're stuck uh, underground and it, you know, it, it garnered the attention of cameras, politicians, flower folk were there as well, uh, thinking they wanted to put the flowers down if they weren't rescued. Now, like the Chilean miners in our own, I think it was, it was the Beresfield miners in Tasmania, mm. one was killed and two were rescued. For mm. some reason, Dawson, it attracts the attention of people around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, like the Thai soccer players, Thai soccer who, players. who were trapped in the cave. Like, yeah, absolutely. This, these rescue situations, and they're, they're, again, it's usually timers of the essence, and they're devoting manpower to get these people into to, to, to save them. 100%. Now, what's interesting, and I find fascinating, you wonder how they're going to survive while they're in there trapped. Well, mm. they send these metal kind of shafts down there that mm. was wide enough to send food um, and water mm. and also uh, to provide, provide air. But mm. what I find really interesting is how they were able to dig them out because they couldn't use their machines, so they used hand drills. Now, it must have been pretty big uh, drills in the end, but that successfully successfully was able to uh, funnel out all the dirt so they, mm. these men could come forth and be saved. Wow, that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, and so they, they didn't lose anyone. That's like the best possible outcome from something like that. That's, a, that's incredible. It is. Here's the good news from the Chief Minister, uh, Shri Puksha Singh. Mm. Dami said this, that the government will provide financial assistance of one luck I hope I pronounced that right, of one lakh rupees. It's mm. equivalent to about $1,200 to all the workers trapped in the tunnel. <laughs> That's nice. That's <laughs> a, hey, you get trapped in a tunnel, you know, your life is in danger, but at least they got a payday out of it. That's really good. Absolutely, absolutely. And i got some verses of encouragement to relate to mm. this, you know. Um, this verse comes from Luke 15, 3 to 7. And, you know, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you have a 100 sheep and loses one of them. And... Um, you know, he doesn't, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Mm. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes and tells his friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner uh, who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And there's mm. this other two verses that are similar because of this. Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And um, I remember there was one also in James that says, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh mm. to you. And the Lord says, uh, one who's such, who's tried of heart and one who's uh, crushed in spirit. Yeah. That's the kind of God we serve. Yeah, and it kind of gives me the perspective as well. I love what you shared there that 
these moments of rescue kind of arrested the world. It does. We were all looking towards the, the Chilean miners, the Thai soccer team, or, or the, the guys, you know, trapped in the mine here in Australia. Like, we all look towards these particular situations because we're like, we need to save these people. We care about these people. They're, they're trapped. We need to get them out. And the reality is, is, you know, we devote a huge amount of manpower and time and whatnot. And I think it's incredible the perspective that we are also trapped. We are also stuck and lost. Uh, and we need saving because of our sin. And what was the cost or the manpower required? Well, it was for God himself to come down as a man and to sacrifice his own life. Jesus's life, death and resurrection was worth the, the salvation of the entirety of the world. And so we have so much to be grateful for and be thankful for, just like these Indian miners who, you know, were able to get some money out of it and whatnot and were super thankful to get out of there with their lives. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on Faith FM, you're joined by myself, Lawson, as well as Matthew. Matthew, hey, get us another question for the quiz. Gladly, I've got two, and I'll explain how. So what does Ecclesiastes repeatedly claim everything is? Oh, hmm. okay. I'll show you again. What does, Ecclesiastes, uh, what does Ecclesiastes repeatedly claim everything is? is? Yeah, okay. Well, there's, a, there's actually a, a few words you can put here, they all mean the same thing, and it just depends on what translation. But it's, yeah, throughout Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes... Could you, oh man, I, this is this is like some dodging some bombs trying to help you guys out here. <laughs> but the writer of Ecclesiastes continually, you know, his his reflection on things. He he'll he'll say, "Hey, your work, or hey, your 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 love, and hey, this and that, and then your wealth, and da-da. and then he comes to a conclusion. Oh, it's all like." This thing that you're looking to answer with. So, hey, 0491-064-669. What does Ecclesiastes repeatedly claim everything And, and, and well, other question I was going to refer to is, yeah. what does Ecclesiastes even mean? Oh, oh, that's that's a good yeah. question. I mean, we can just let us know. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. And, hey, our prizes for this week, which will be drawn at 8.45 this morning. We've got Preaching from the Grave, a story of faith from the Rwandan genocide by Fidaitis Nadayam Gabe. This is an amazing story of someone standing for what they believe in, standing and clinging to their faith. One of just the most gnarly circumstances that there has been you know in 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 modern history of genocide and whatnot and then we've also got the man that the anzacs revered william fighting mac mckenzie the story of him as an anzac chaplain during world war one in gallipoli overseas you know with the with the light horsemen with the soldiers there with the anzacs and yeah sharing faith despite the awful situation that was unfolding around them but hey zero four nine one Zero six four six six nine. That is the number to text if you know the answer to those questions and you want to get in touch with us. Nate, text us if you have anything to comment, any thoughts on the show. I've got some stuff to share right now, and this is particularly and specifically about the clergy or or the, or the the ministry, right? Those who are participating in the ministry, those who are ministers, those who preach at the front of churches, who you would call pastors or priests in, in, a, in a sweeping sense. Now, for myself, I would refer to my minister, you know, my pastor in my, my local 
church, I, well, myself and Matthew in, engaged in, in theological studies to, to be, uh, to have that particular outcome to be working in that area but unfortunately matthew for both of us who are wanting to to go into this industry hey there's just been a list released by the department of education which ranked the clergy or the, the the ministry as the 13th most exposed profession to AI tools such as ChatGPT. The 13th. So basically what they're saying is out of, you know, 20, they had a top 20 list. They're like number 13 on the list of occupations that are exposed or that are susceptible to being overtaken by AI and ChatGPT is the work of the clergy. Oh, wow. So the ability to produce biblical messages and to preach those messages and share those messages with church congregations, in public, whatever it may be. So I sit here and I read that and I just think, what a load of nonsense. I know. <laughs> like, okay, so does ChatGPT have the ability to write sermons? And the answer is absolutely yes. Really? And that was that was the, the thing that Lyle and I got addicted to when it, it came out. When ChatGPT came out, we were just sitting there. Like, every day we'd come back into the studio like, hey, I wrote this new thing into ChatGPT. And it, oh, look, it said this, you know. And it's, it's like, oh, write the sermon in the style of an Anglican or in a, as a Seventh-day uh, Adventist or... Or as a Mormon and a Buddhist. Or a Buddhist. Yeah, that's right. Or a Hindu. And it has the ability to make those differentiations. Now, as a Seventh Adventist, I could talk, I could tell potentially it doesn't get all the nuances right and it doesn't put everything quite together. But I was like, wow, this is very competent in what it's doing. Mm. And in fact, in my theological studies, I rely on it very little because I can see that it doesn't quite have the smarts or the ability to try to produce what I'm trying to say or to stay completely on topic with the you know the brevity of information that I'm trying to to pack into an essay or whatever uh, you know it may be yes but hey that being said you know this is saying you know AI is going to take this over and I think the thing that really does not allow AI to completely take over a job like being a member of the clergy or a minister or whatever it may be, is the personal touch that comes with not just preaching, but being a, a pastor to the congregation, being someone who provides guidance, like someone who is opening the paths of ministry and directing the church and its evangelism and all of these different things. I just don't think that AI has the ability to do that because it's not an agent, it's not a physical person, it's not a robot uh, that can interact and shake your hand and whatever it may be. Maybe not, not that that could do the job of clergy. And also it excludes the the ability of the Holy Spirit to be able to work in people and create these connections oh, between definitely. people and, yeah. and change lives. Like it is just at the end of the day, AI right now in its current form, like ChatGPT, is just a writing tool. Yes. It's it's not a personal connection that you have with someone who's mentoring you and who is leading you closer to Christ. Now, that being said, as much as I am pro-human clergy, <laughs> as much as I am pro-human minister and, and pro-ministry, and I think that pastoral and the role of a pastor is such a necessary and important job, it's unfortunate that the work of the pastors and the ministry and the clergy have, in a lot of churches, actually led to their downfall, and particularly the opinions of the, the clergy and the ministers and whatnot. And where this can be seen 
especially is here in Australia in the Anglican Church. Now, the Anglican Church from 2016 to 2021 lost 604,000 members. Wow. 604,000 members. Now, there's a couple of reasons why. I mean, you could look at the the secularization of Australia, so away from the the faith community of you know participating in faith communities and identifying as Christian, yes. but again, 2016 to 2021, like Australia's secularization has gone for a long time. Why is it that Anglicanism has fallen off a significant cliff at this time? And what we see there is that there has been a dramatic shift in culture yes. within the Anglican Church over the last five years. And the way that that has especially been into has been their changing of their creed, their constitution. I don't think they use those words necessarily, but essentially their constitution about what they believe, their fundamental beliefs. Uh, and the biggest change that has come in the last five years is the deleting, essentially, of the clause in their constitution that says marriage is a lifelong union between a man and a woman. I was waiting for you to say that because I was going to ask, what are the inroads that have come in? That's right. And we see this dramatic change of culture within Anglicanism, these steps within Anglicanism towards uh, just full-on LGBT ideology acceptance, and that is then furthermore affecting the clergy and the ministry as well with um, gay and trans pastors and chants. I believe they have priests and reverence and whatnot in the Anglican Church. It has led to the split in a lot of ways of the Anglican Church. And I got to interact with some evangelical Anglicans earlier this year, and they've now joined this organization called GAFCON, which is an evangelical version of the Anglican Church because they're like, we can't be a part of mainline Anglicanism because it doesn't affirm the Bible. Yes, Where you don't see these dramatic, I I, I believe, shifts away from the the churches and this huge reduction in church attendance and whatnot – is in churches that have actually tried to, in as best as they can, stay faithful to the Bible or have promoted biblicism. Yes. We don't see these huge dramatic downturns, but here in Australia, whether it's the Uniting Church, the Anglican Church, that these churches that, or the you know the Presbyterian Church, well even the Lutheran Church here in Australia, and the, it's like okay, what have the Lutheran Church have done? Well, they have fully rescinded their Lutheran status in the sense that they 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 no longer consider. Pro- themselves Protestant, yep. which is like what they were built on is Protestantism. It's like Lutheran was the Protestant, the 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 initiator of the Protestant movement. They said, "No, we're no longer Protestant. We, you know, we don't care about that stuff anymore. Biblicism, biblical literacy, we're not about it." All of these churches are experiencing severe downturns that they are not coming out of, and so it's like, "Oh yes, you know, hey, I will never replace the ministry." But yes, the ministry and the leaders of these churches, it seems, are doing everything to push members out the door by moving away. Away from the personal touch, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible, which is giving them the ability to actually reach people. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Is it is the first of December? We're 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 into our Christmas month or our month of Advent, leading up to the, the hey Christmas time where we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. Listening to the breakfast show this morning, would you give us our next question for the quiz, Matthew? Gladly, and it says this: According to Ecclesiastes one, what goes south, north, round and round, 
and then returns to its course. Man, this sounds like one of those brain teasers. Like it was black and white and red all over that kind of thing. <laughs> hey, but what goes south, north, round and round, and then returns to its course? Hmm. Oh, like example of what you're sharing there. It's like saying, when you have a cube in your hand, you throw it up in the air, where does it land? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I have no idea. no idea. I have no idea. Hey, <laughs> you're listening to The Breakfast Show. According to Ecclesiastes 1. Hey, do you want to read that one for us again? Indeed. According to Ecclesiastes 1, what goes south, north, round and round, and then returns to its course. Uh, amazing stuff. If you know the answer to this one, 0491-064-669. These are some of your final opportunities to get in for our amazing prizes this week we've got preaching from the grave as well as the man that the Anzacs revered both of these books we want to give to you absolutely for free guys answer these questions and you'll get in for the draw maybe you haven't answered any questions all week that is okay you still have the ability to enter and potentially win we've had people win off of one single entry all week we've even had people win over Entering once on the very last question. So, 0491-064-669. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and it's come time for our interview with none other than Tony Benjamin from Voice of the Martyrs. Tony, are you there with us? Good morning, Tony. Yes, I Yes, I am. Good morning to you guys. Yeah, Tony, we're stoked to have you on again to talk about the work, the Voice of the Martyrs, and the landscape of Christianity and persecution right across the world. You are somewhat regular on our show, and we love having you on to focus on these things. So where are we going today? Where are we looking well, at? I'd, well, I'd like to talk about a few different areas, but I would like to, which has been the topic of many a discussion these days uh, when you're talking about the Middle East, I'd like to talk about persecuted children, Christian mm. children in persecuted countries. And that's a big challenge for, you know, everyone. So, yeah. That's the topic today. Absolutely. Persecuted children, I mean, from a biblical perspective in on the outset, when Jesus says, hey, love these little children, and then gives a stark and fierce warning against bringing harm to children, then mm. there is a, a massive responsibility for all of us in the Christian yes. community and outside as well to have that in mind of, you know, these vulnerable children, they are in need of help, they're in need of love and guidance and support. But unfortunately, as you say, in the Middle East, what we're seeing is because of the conflict there is that that is not taking place. That's not happening. And these children are coming into harm's way. Yes. Look, also, you know, children are often the unintended victims of a lot of the persecution that gets meted out on their parents mm. or caregivers or within the family. And they really the helpless ones in all of it. But they are children are so impacting as we know within our own walk and within our own lives. Mm. And at this time of the year, we have an, uh, a program called Christmas Care where we provide some sort of relief to persecuted Christian children around the world. And we call it our Christmas care campaign where we make up a pack which has to include God's word mm. and then anything uh, country-specific needs that the kids may have there because every country is different. But why our focus on children at this time of the year? Because particularly, you know, much like you just quote from Scripture there, um, the kids are the most vulnerable and the uh, you know, the victims in a lot of this, uh, unintended mm. victims in a lot of the conflict, whether it's in the Middle East or it's in any other country like Pakistan, mm. Myanmar, Burkina Faso, all these places that we work in India. So we're trying to bring a little bit of relief to the kids at this time of the year and uh, much needed. Many organizations do this type of thing, but 
um, they don't include God's word, and I think that is the basis and the framework of what we at Voice of the Martyrs try to instill, mm. that God's word comes first above everything else, you know. Mm. Um, and I do believe that's very important. So this year we're doing uh, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Egypt, Ethiopia, India, Myanmar, Nepal, Pakistan, mm. South, Southern Philippines, and then a number of countries in the Middle East that have been affected by this um, migrant uh, movement, uh, particularly from Gaza and then from other countries, from Iraq and, you know, Iran and so on. So it's a mm. massive work for us for this year. Yeah, but the kids really, you know, um, when I was in Jordan a little while ago and visited a family there that had to escape from Iraq with just what they had, and the kids couldn't even get medical care because they're stateless when they go to these places. Wow. And if you go to a place like Jordan, and and we in Australia think costs are high, Jordan is next level. It's extremely expensive to get anything there, particularly medical. So these these parents often have to make a decision as to do I get, you know, can we afford to get the medication or can't we afford to? Do we have to eat? And these challenges come up all the time with them, and it's a really challenging situation having to decide whether we can fund it or we can't fund it. Or as a parent, having to make a decision that I can't help my child or I can't, knowing that the children could die, you know? Mm. So, very Abs- challenging. Absolutely. Like, they're in this rock and hard place situation because mm. of the because of the persecution upon themselves. The way that that's affecting their kids is so difficult. And I think I, I particularly love what Voice of the Martyrs is doing in that space because we get to talk to people from a bunch of different organizations. One of, one of them is called Destiny Rescue. We have mm. on the show and these guys are like saving children from child trafficking. Um, they're yeah. a Christian organization, again, very much motivated by their Christian beliefs, but it's they're kind of on the front lines in that area and what we the the Mm. information that we get from our contact there paul is like dude our our ability to share christ with these kids when we rescue them is foundational to our work because we see that their Mm. rehabilitation from the awful terrible experience that they've had being a victim of trafficking or something like or slavery or whatever it may be Yep. Our ability to share Christ with them is is the foundation of their healing. Like that, that is how that healing comes. And again, for these kids, they are experiencing and what it sounds like they're experiencing so much trauma because of the persecution. It's like, mm-hmm. man, without Christ, how can they even get through that? How can they have hope for life? How can mm-hmm. they have a good disposition or an outlook that keeps them going? And again, it's through God and who he is and what he's done. And so it's amazing that you guys are doing that. You said yeah. you're operating in all these countries and yes. like, how, how does that all organize? Like how, how do you organize that? And do you just have a contact in each one of those places that you're resourcing to be able to interact with the people there? That's correct. Yes. We have contacts in each of those countries that we resource. We can't obviously bring any of these things in. Mm. Many times we get people saying to us, Oh, can we send you some goods for them? Say, you know, we'd love to, but we can't. That's Mm. not how we operate Mm. because the minute they see any Christian literature, it's a target and it then tarnishes everybody that's doing our work there. And some of it's underground work or most of the time Mm. it's underground work. But just one example to give you, which in one of the countries which I mentioned, and I'm not going to repeat it for security reasons. Sure. We, we were part of a, um, a ministry for children, uh, with a daycare center where we're teaching 
Christian values into the kids and it's hardline Islamic extremist part of the world here. Mm. And um, the parents came to the to the daycare center and said, look, you know, what are you teaching our kids? And our guys were obviously very fearful because they Muslim background believers themselves. And they said, no, 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 no. The kids' behaviors have changed. They've become more calm. They become more wow. uh, recipient to our discipline and, uh, you know, they're more compliant in terms of, uh, you know, just the way they operate. Mm. But they've also become more spiritual. And what mm. are you teaching them? And they then revealed what they were teaching. And I've got a photograph which apparently could have got me arrested if I if I was caught with this photograph on it where I'm actually wow. sharing with these hijabed women uh, where you only see the eyes and sharing about the love of Christ to them and wow. all wow. through their children, all through their children. And a number of them have come to Christ. And on the day that I was there, there was quite a kerfuffle outside and I was a little bit fearful thinking I may have to leave. And they said, no, 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 no. They're actually asking us why we're not there five days a week. We are oh. there too. <laughs> Wow. So that prompted us to get a, a bus for our guys so they and, and to resource them so they could come five days. And now that center has developed into a second center because mm. we couldn't cope with this. And these are with Bedouin, Sunni Muslims who are drug runners and people traffickers. This is what we're dealing with. Mm. But all through the children and the number of them have come to Christ. So there you oh. go. Amazing. So again, it sounds like these contacts that you've had, they're, they're working in their local situations and, and it's amazing to see that, oh, you know, you getting to, to be there in, in quite a pressing situation. But despite mm. that, we can, you're seeing firsthand, like, despite the persecution and despite yep. the cultural and political and social tide, people are yep. hungering and thirsting after Christ. Exactly, and the innocence of the kids are the catalyst in this particular instance. Mm. Yes, Tony, can I pose a question kindly? Of course. Of now, course. is there ever been any thoughts taken? Because I heard you share earlier that it's hard to bring in um, you know, Christian goods or literature into uh, these countries. Is there been any um, thoughts uh, of improvisation? to implement um, uh, strategies into how to bring them in, whether it's not so obvious, but if you, know, if you put them in a way where it can't be discerned, people are able to get them, or you've tried that or it's too risky? Well, no, we've got we've got a myriad of ways in which we get resources in. Hey. Uh, in some countries we print illegally and we've been doing so for 40 years. Wow. Um, in other countries, we get the electronic resources in and it's printed covertly in the country. Most of the printing and the books and the literature is printed in country. In some of the countries, we've got printers in the free zone. In some countries uh, in the north, they have what's economic free zones and they can do anything as long as it's not distributed in the country. So, well, we distribute it in the country. <laughs> One of our book printers has got a very unique way, and this is quite funny actually, of um, uh, uh, checking the literature and making sure that the typesetting and everything is good. He asks his staff to read it. All of his staff are Muslims. And through reading and, and proofreading the books, many of them have come to Christ. So that, that's, there's a couple of unique ways. 
Um, we use uh, we use EPUB files. A lot of things we can transmit electronically. Uh, so there's a number of ways in which we do these things, but there's always a hunger for it. We've had to be creative in that. I may have to go to um, an Asian country and meet my contact there, and mm. we just hand over a USB with uh, 30, 40 gigs of information on it that he can take back into the country and then get it printed there wow. because you can't email it. There's, there's so many different ways we've had to be really, really smart. Praise the Lord. Um, Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm not brave enough to share with this with you on the radio. Mm. Yeah, keep it in the dark. In person, <laughs> it's all right. In, in person, I'm more than happy to, to share with you. Yeah. yeah. Ah, amazing. And it's awesome to see that the the results of this work, again, in all of these diverse places are people continually coming to Christ. You've got a couple minutes left and leave us off a little bit for over Christmas and throughout the New Year's. You know, is there a big push there that you guys are having in in, around the world in in some kind of Christmas theme way or is it? Yeah. What's well, the main thing for the main thing for us is Christmas care with uh, the children around the world. But mm. you know, when you look at Christmas in like a place like Egypt, for example, sure. Christmas like I was blown away because I was there over Christmas one year, and there's more cr- Christian music songs that we all know that we grew up with being played everywhere there mm. than what we have in Australia, which wow. is very sad. But in Egypt. Christmas time is a dangerous time. Wow. Because radical Muslims use it as a time to target the Christians when celebrating the birth of Jesus. A very tense time in Egypt. You go to Egypt now, and I I normally stay within the airport security zone in the Mm. hotel there uh, because it's safer for me there because if I need to leave, I need to leave. So there's all these challenges that come up within these countries, and many of the countries that we work in and operate in, Christmas time is dangerous because of the celebration, celebrating mm. the birth of Jesus. People are more um, outwardly expressing this, and it's not safe for them to do so. Whereas in places like China, Christmas is celebrated just uh, you and your immediate family and giving thanks for mm. sustaining you for another year. Mm. So every country is unique and every country is different. For me, the sad thing is in some of these quote-unquote persecuted countries, even in a place like Vietnam, we have lived for a number of years, Christmas time is a major time of celebration with mm. in Ho Chi Minh City, and not so much in Hanoi, because Hanoi is still very, like, hardline communist, mm. but in Ho Chi Minh City, which is fairly liberal, it's everything about Christmas. Now, they may have it for the wrong reasons, mm. but it's celebrating Christ, it's celebrating Christmas, churches come out, people come out. This is in a country that's socialist. Mm. In Australia, man, really, we should be embarrassed. Mm. Yes. Wow. We should be embarrassed. Wow. Oh, man, I guess this is motivation for us, and especially uh, for us Christians to use this time as a, as a bridge to the people around us to share the gospel. Exactly. You know, many people want to go and do this work abroad and all of that, when God's asking us to be a faithful witness just to your next door neighbor, to your own family member, you don't have to leave the shores, you know? Yeah. So rightly, you know, as you say, we really need to be uh, showing what Christ or what Christ has done for us and who mm. Christ is just to the people closest to us. That's a great witness for every one of us. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, 
Look, we got to head on, Tony, but thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.